my podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Dom of X show where we talk about Marvel's famous mutants, the X-Men, the one and only Dylan Gray is here again with me. I'm your host, Dominic Torres, as always. I hope you're doing well, Dylan, on this oddly sunny-ish, cloudy-ish day. Um, but yeah, I, I hope you're doing right? well. <laughs> I'm looking outside right now and it's like, it's very sunny, but you look in the sky and there's clouds everywhere. I don't know how it's working. I don't know how it's working. But thanks once again for having me, and I can't wait to talk about these new books. Let's let's talk. Let's talk. let's, let's, let's talk. do it. What are we yep. doing today? And so yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. We're moving, but I'm reading comics. I'm I'm trying to keep up. And there's a there's a lot to get in here as far as art's concerned. And today, guys, we're going to be talking about the giant size X Men issues, which I guess are more of art books. These are forty page, thirty six page issues of artists showing off what they can do to tell a story just with words as a secondary option. But instead of, because Hickman, again, is the curating head of X storyteller here who's doing the words, it's the artists who now get a chance to show how beautiful their stuff looks, how great their masterpieces can be when you give them room to breathe and just let them work with the panels and the flow instead of having a scripter in. So... I'm really excited to dig into this. We have Russell Dodderman, Ramon Perez, Alan Davis, and those and Rod Reyes, like those guys doing these these issues. And I'm I'm so pumped up to uh, to talk about it. And some of their best work, to be honest, these artists really just kick so much butt in this. I was fully just blown away by the panel layouts, by the way. Or excuse me, I was totally blown away by the page layouts and just the the way that they worked all the artwork and and made it like a full on story without even needing words. That's the trick that a excellent and I mean excellent comic book artist can do is when they can draw out all these pages and panels and you don't even need words. You should be able to read a comic book when you have a great artist without any words, you know. And that's what they do here and so freaking well. So evocative, you gotta put the faces right, make sure everything is expressed, whether characters are moving or just seeming like they're talking to each other. And some X-Men too, like, we'll, and we'll get into it. They can talk through their minds, right? They have telepathic powers, so none of them need to talk at any given point. So you should know, I think, if you're going to be an X-Men artist or something that delves with the X-Mythos, you need to be able to tell stories with characters not needing words you should be able to feel what what these guys are feeling what they're doing every single day in and day out so it's a shout out to the creators who worked on this five issue project to showcase off again what they can do as far as wordless storytelling goes and ready or not let's let's dive in we have Jean Grey and uh, Emma Frost first, two of, I guess, two of my faves in the X-Mythos because, you know, they're, they're two of the most famous heroines in all of Marvel. and Definitely the most famous psychic heroines, for yeah, sure. For, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. You have, you know, the Phoenix on one side and the White Queen of the Hellfire Club on, on the other. And we have Russell Dodderman and Matt Wilson here on the art. Russell Dodderman, if you guys are familiar with his work, he is a Marvel young gun. He's one of those rising new artists in the industry. He's 
He's worked on stuff like, uh, I think his most famous stuff comes from Jason Aaron's Thor, the All New All Different Thor with Jane Foster, and then, you know, most recently, War of the Realms. And he's doing the covers on Marauders as well, which are, I think, you know, they're, they're splendid, you know, they're great. And, oh, crisp, clean, fun, like, he hits all the right notes, and that <laughs> that's why I like his art. I think, yeah, if you are a Russell, Russell Dodderman fan, like, this is definitely one to pick up because there are, well, A, there are barely any words in the story. By barely any words, I'm talking about most of it is none. just his art. Yeah, none. <laughs> it's, a, it's a silent like, issue. Very silent. And the opening, there's a little bit of dialogue just to kind of lightweight set things up. But yeah, there's mostly nothing. It's mostly just looking at art and reading it that way. And it's gorgeous. So freaking gorgeous. It is. One thing I love about Dodderman's choice in coloring, Matt Wilson's actually, I think he's my third favorite art, art colorist in the industry behind Laura Martin and Brad Anderson. I love those two. But Matt Wilson, man. His colors pop like. Shout I, out to Laura Martin. Oh, amen, amen, amen. One thing I, I will say about Matt Wilson's colors is that they are very, they very much bring Dodderman's pencils, the clean lines, to life. It's like you're looking at you know Emma or Storm as as you're going in, and you're just like, holy crap! Like this guy can, like this guy gets the shading down. This guy gets the different color palettes and like holy moly like i'm i'm looking at the colors and i'm I'm just in awe of what this guy is able to do it it truly is just a just a splendid wonder just to see the the, the brilliance of the colors like on the page like matt wilson's excellent definitely definitely i think my favorite part of the issue is when the lion part and the snake part, like when they get down into the crater and there's those two lions sitting there with their heads like tilted on top of each other and it's very like yin and yang-esque and it's just so gorgeous. You know, he really plays up the whole like how would Storm's mind be? Because that's where they're at right now. Jean and, and Emma have to go into Storm's mind because she's sick with a virus and they have to figure it out, how to fix it. Just like dealing with her subconscious is just so, just, ah, unique. And the way that they communicate, because they're inside a mind, they can't just talk to each other. They have to use like, they use like different things that are there, like dust and plants and stuff to kind of spell out what they're trying to say. It's just so, so cool and so, such a great kind of team-up book. Because you wouldn't think of these two ever ever teaming up really right yeah, uh, these two, these two the have been, i'm not quite sure well these two have been bitter frenemies for like the longest time and i think especially to like new x-men and after with their pitting rivalry as like you know gene comes back mm -hmm. from the dead that sort of thing and they're both pining over for scott and scott's like okay do i choose my former wife or do i choose this bad chick who's in love with me and, and it's like those yeah, these two have just pitted their their again their heads you know for the longest time, and now that they're both on the council, they're both leading members of the nation of Krakoa in terms of government. They're both with Scott. They're both with <laughs> Scott. That that's the thing too. Scott's both you know it's I, man, but yeah, it's 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 so he doesn't have to choose now. <laughs> no, he does. <laughs> it, it, the funny thing is too, like Scott, I think if anything. This this issue confirms the three foursome that 
Logan, Gene, Scott, and Emma all have in this sort of thing. Because they're all in the issue, and they're all just, like, they're all waiting out. They're like, okay, we'll, we'll just, you know, hang out and see what you two are going to be doing with Storm. And I was like, okay, okay, Jonathan, I see what you're doing here. Right, and and just the subtle little kiss that Gene gives Logan as kind of like a, like a hey, babe kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love that. I love that. This and, is, yeah. And can I just say, while we're having this conversation, I have always liked Emma with Cyclops the best. I That's the better relationship in my, in my eyes. Because Gene and, and Scott, she, he's the Boy Scout, she's the Girl Scout. You know what I'm saying? There's there's no conflict. There's no build up there. There's no there's nothing for them to do because they're, they're the same person. They have the same morals and values. But with Emma... Emma's the bad, the bad, the baddie. You know, she used to be a villain and became good. And she kind of helps Scott kind of see things in a more like, like more realistic, like shades of gray kind of situation. You know, Scott was always very black and white with everything. And she kind of completes him on that. And then on the other hand, Scott makes her a better person because he helps see the light in situations and the good in people and helps her to become good, you know. And that's why I've always liked their relationship more than Gene and him. You know what I'm saying? I really like Gene and Logan together. I think that is just always really cool. I mean, it's been done terribly in the past in the X-Men movies, um, in Earth X, when they finally get together and then, like, he gets overweight and fat and just, and, like, so it's good to see them together and in a healthy relationship. And I love the whole modernization poly kind of feel of everything it's it's really it's really cool yeah it's really cool and really really well done one thing i can appreciate about all of this because i actually don't know where i lean in with scott and shipping because that person has had so many love interests over the years like he married a clone Mm -hmm. of himself and then he married gene then gene died and then emma came there's there's just a lot going i forgot about the clone oh yeah yeah yeah. scott's relationship history is very because yeah he's seen seen he's gone through a lot of stuff in his life but one thing again i can appreciate about and again the subtlety of the where the storytelling that the daughter just plays is in here is that this poly relationship just a gives fans like less of a i like it's kind of tiring because i know that there are fandoms out there which will continuously complain about one character not being with another one because the other person comes into this life so so for them to just to say these these it seems like these four are going to be in this like one cog hole and everybody like all these guys are screwing everybody. It just takes like a less of a, I don't know. It's, it's like, we don't have to like argue over who's with who anymore because we just all accepted like, Oh, they're doing it with everybody. I, I, I don't know. I, I appreciate that sort <laughs> yeah. of feeling of mentality of, okay, let's just, let's just not even think about them. Let's just say, Oh yeah, they're, they're all having this and that together, you know, but yeah, Take it, the argument away from the fans because now they can't sit. The argument can't come up. We we can't have a who's better with with Gene, who's better with Cyclops argument. Now it's both. He's he's so brilliant in that aspect of of this new age of X Men because he he gets to say stop all these arguments. He he gives us this poly relationship between the two and and or between the four of them, and that way we stop the argument on who belongs with who kind of situation. And then we have this ex, uh, Xavier and, and Magneto working together thing, which is something we've all wanted to see since the beginning, because they are both so right. And he just does it so well 
And I just, I once again, can't wait to see what he does next. I what agree. new concepts he's going to bring. Like, he, he continues to blow my mind with the way he does everything. I agree. He, this, again, everything about, mo- or most of what I liked about this issue is that it's it's a good, it's a, well, first off, it's a great nod to Grant Morrison's new X-Men silent, silent issue with Frank Quietly, and I think it was issue 121, where both Gene and Emma are working with each other to get see what's happening in Ch- Charles Xavier's mind, and now we get to see what's happening with Storm. I think if I had to choose one fave, or I guess two things. One is, in the original issue, Gene kisses Scott because, you know, the two are married and blah, 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 blah. But this one, this one, uh, she kisses, he kisses Logan instead. And the second one, I think if I, yeah, if I think if I had to choose a favorite part of this issue, is there's, I don't know, I just really like the way that Dodderman and Wilson draw Storm's mind just to see what's happening in there. Like the the trees, the the purple blue atmosphere. It's just mm-hmm. so delighting to see. It's like calm and plain until you get to what's happening inside with the virus that's affecting her and all of that. It's just really, really beautiful to look at. I'm over serious. He's sitting here stunning. Like, yeah, some people may have had an issue with, oh, there, there were no pages on the, in this book. But then you, you look into it and then you see like, oh my goodness, like the... They're just they're walking through the plains. They're fighting and wrangling with this weird snake and lion. And I I really I don't know. I just really enjoyed the way that the atmosphere is drawn in the book. Like when they get into the mine and they see the huge tree. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. This is this is and, and I and I love seeing Emma going diamond and beating somebody up. That's you know, Jean's got to tell the the telekinetic powers to have her back up but like emma can throw down because she could turn herself into diamonds so she can throw down and i'm not sure if she's like classically trained in fighting or if it's just like she's just made out of diamonds so she doesn't really need to know how to fight kind of situation but either way i always like seeing that that side of emma which doesn't really get shown often because she doesn't really need it you know what i mean yeah, it's it's like Emma could just beat you with a because she knows her way around people. She definitely has a way with words. Uh, she can boss mm-hmm. somebody up just because you know, she's well, she's one of the sexier here. I think it's I think it's fair safe to say like she's she's, mm-hmm. she's definitely used that to her advantage a billion times. And, for sure. Yeah, and, and she she's got mind powers, bro. Like you don't you, she doesn't need to beat somebody up because she doesn't need to all the time like you said it's like that's right yeah so yeah it's awesome to see badass emma fighting badass like, it's just as simple as that i i don't i don't know what else to say besides that but yeah like these two again teaming up getting into storm's mind is emma's just like here yeah i'm, I'm here I, i'm here to what do we need to do it's awesome to see like i i love that type of characterization yeah. for her. the and the metaphor that she uses, you know, when she turns to Diamond now, how she takes her gloves off, like, the, she's literally taking the gloves off and going hardcore on it. I, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautifully written. I love it. I love it. It's great, too. But, yeah, we have... But, yeah, it's just, again, it's awesome to see Dodderman come up from... Oh, I was the guy on All New, All Different Thor to doing War of the Realms for the event and now doing X-Men stuff for our covers... And here in 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 Jean Grey and Emma Frost for the giant size issue, it's 
it's a delight. And again, the, the colors here are just fantastic. Good, clean lines. And we, we pray that Storm is safe, eh? This is because Jean goes down and she's like, yo, this, we got a virus that's going to kill her in 30 days. It should talk. Kind of like how she said uh, <laughs> back in New X-Men, hey, Charles Xavier is fighting with his weird twin sister. We got to talk. So I thought I, th these callbacks were great. I thought the issue was cool. It's stunning. I, I don't think yeah. there's any more. It's, yeah. a, it's a cool... And that's 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 what makes him so good. He Hickman understands what you need to do. It's important in the industry literally ran on nostalgia to do callbacks to certain things to make fe people feel comfortable, but at the same time giving new content. And that's why he's one of the best in comics right now, hands down. Hands down, for sure. And so yeah, it's just yeah, good stuff to good nods to Frank Quiley. I I it's weird too yeah. because like I I like Frank Quiley as an artist. I know that some other people might not because his lines are extremely strong. But I think for what Frank I love, Quiley, I love Frank. I love Frank. I, I, Frank's I, awesome. I, Frank Quiley is awesome. I love the way again. I love all the callbacks that Dodderman makes uh, in this issue. It's, it's all good stuff, and we. The, the thing is that that's just one of the five. There are four more. I, and this is this is an interesting part because for Nightcrawler, as, as we all, good, all all know, our good priestly friend Kurt Wagner, he is. It's weird because we got him half an issue. It felt like he was there for half an issue, and the other half was a giant sized cipher warlock issue. I don't know what do you, what, do you, what do you think about it? Um. Yeah, I thought, well, you know, like I've said, there's just not too many well-written Nightcrawler stories, and I thought this was one of them. This is just a really good, strong uh, Kurt Wagner episode where, uh, issue where we get to see just how, we get to see him as a leader, you know? He's actually leading a team in this one, you know? And it's just supposed to be like a recon team but you know he brought he brings along magic just for a little extra muscle just a little extra muscle but that's why he he brought you know warlock and cipher with him to kind of figure out what's going on if there's anyone that we need to talk to if there's any aliens or any of that we we're, we're going to need you there because if it's not if it's not <clears throat> in x-men if it's not Magneto, if it's not Mr. Sinister, if it's not Apocalypse, it's an alien. <laughs> it <laughs> is, it time. is, yep, yep. Every it, time. It's weird too. And lo and yeah. behold, the X-Mansion has been taken over by aliens. Big surprise, right? <laughs> Big surprise. It's like, oh, they're, they're psychically or weirdly projecting prestige Rachel Summers like into whatever Nightcrawler's mind or Nightcrawler's like wait stop you gotta yeah can I also say I love Alan Davis coming back to the X-Men he's worked on Excalibur the actual book and I don't know it's just cool to see an older ex-artist team up with Jonathan to do the storytelling here I I like the way how how Kurt is like leading Eyeboy and Magic like down to figure out what's going on like them rustling through the woods and uh, or not the woods but the fabric of the x-mansion i i like i don't know i just think it's really cool just just to how they get to the end and figure out like what the heck's going on and all of a sudden like these weird alien bugs are all around them it's, it's i don't know it's yeah. just cool to see yeah and 
once again another callback from when these aliens attacked the mansion before you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's again, these are great callbacks to older issues, but I, I love the way that well, da- what Davis is doing here. Can I also say that I like, I don't know, I really love his face expressions. Like when they're, when freaking Kurt's like, oh my God, it's aliens. Like that's that sort of thing. It's like, oh my goodness, like I feel it. I, I feel the X team just being like, yo, like what the heck's happening on here? Davis is just great. I think it's cool. Again, it's cool to see older X artists who had done past works for Marvel go here and be like, "Yo, like I, I like remember me?" Like, yeah, Davis. Davis stuff. It, it shines in this issue. It's just cool to see Kurt Wagner doing Kurt Wagner stuff. It's just awesome. For sure. Yeah. No. Um. And Banff just Banffing around the mansion. You know what I'm saying? I, I love it. I love it. I love his new outfit. I love the way he just he seems so mature now. You know, he seems so like like he's found his place in the world. He's never like messing around with anything. He's he's not he's not having to deal with, you know, people not liking the way he looks. He's not having to deal with just the whole mutant aesthetic constantly that they already have to do, let alone the fact that he looks like a freaking demon. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Because again, he he grew up in a Catholic monastery. This isn't—he's a religious dude, and he's been trying to. Yeah, he's just been trying to fight for you know, like I am a Christian. I'm a I'm gonna try to do all of this, you know, for the glory of God. And now he's he's in a place where he can freely practice whatever you know. He's and I remember you know the callback to X Men number seven where he's with Scott and they're just talking about life and he's he goes on to Krakoa this weird tower and it's like you know my eyes finally opened up like I can do you know whatever I need to hear I I love the fact that Kurt again he just he just doesn't have to deal with all the adversity that he's been facing in life and it's also just fun to see him in action with a sword or not it's he like bouncing around like that's that's the Kurt Wagner content I, I like to see. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, yeah, he's, he's just kicking, he's just taking names. He's he's kicking all these weird aliens with iBoy and magic and punching and dicing. Uh, like, uh, Which, by the way, iBoy, the the cool one of the coolest characters with the lamest name <laughs> like yeah, he yeah. he has the he's covered in eyes okay so i could deal with that but each of the eyes see things in different spectrums you know what i'm saying and so he can see everything literally and it's really really cool to see and such a terrible name though eye boy i don't know there there's got to be a better name you can give him you know what i'm saying like what about like a uh, spectrum lad <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like Spectrum God. Lad better than iBoy. <laughs> yeah, iBoy just is a ridiculously dumb name. And when he grows up, what, he's I-Man? Like, he sounds like a... You know what this sounds like? This sounds like an a new Apple product. iBoy literally sounds like a new Apple product. If you don't take in... Or whatever. It's just like it's just an I instead of an I. I don't know. It's it's a bad name. <laughs> new, new. <laughs> it's like the Game Boy, but it's the iBoy because it's the Apple product. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's gonna be overpriced as heck too. That's the thing that sucks. But anyways, like yeah, I I freaking love 
Kurt just wrangling and shambling in here. Can I also make a short prediction? I, I, I want to make a prediction right now. So we have we also have Cypher again. But this is this is I guess this is a half half Kurt, half Doug Ramsey book because Warlock. We I think this is the first time that Warlock's detached from Psylocke. Or not Psylocke. This is the first time that Warlock has detached from Cypher since we started this weird new era. And he's over here. He's talking to Ileana. He's talking to the people. He's just like, hello, I'm here to do my stuff. He looks... You know what he looks like? He oddly looks like the weird tech-narc, tech, like, alien people we saw in Powers of Ten in Year 1000. I think that Warlock mm-hmm. has the key... To winning all of this with the weird technology around him, I, I don't know. Definitely, it's, there's a lot because he, you know, he goes up and he's like, "Yo, like I'm, I'm over here and I'm, I'm finally detaching it." But yeah, he just, he just oddly looks like he just looks like the answer. He looks like the answer for something. You'd think for someone like Doug Ramsey, who isn't the most famous New Mutant or X Man suddenly has the keys to unlocking the answers to how the X-Men can win in this era. Yeah. I, yeah. And I I just... I, Warlock and, and Cypher relationship is just such a cool symbiotic kind of thing. Like, they've they've gotten to the point now where they they really don't even like to be separated. And they don't even like to see people, they don't even like to have people see them separated. You know, as we saw in that one issue in X-Men, where um, somebody walks is walking by and there's Krakoa, Cypher, and Warlock sitting there. And then it switches to the other guys like, hey, how's it going? And then like Warlock instantly absorbs into Cypher because they just feel like naked. You know, they, it's like he feels naked without him on him, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a second skin to him and everything. And the way that, the way that he, like, they both use each other to kind of win the day is just, it's just so cool. It's just so cool. I, I, I love the pairing and I, I love how they've able to let the, the, it all grow and get to something as cool as making an entire language for an island, you know? Yeah, it's it's good stuff. I, I like that Cypher is getting an important role here, especially, like, again, as a member of the council, as someone who talks to Krakoa and has a relationship with the island. It's just, it's just enlightening to see. It's awesome to go and look at Kurt and, and Doug, and it's like, oh, snap, like, these two got good important roles in in the mutant nation state or whatever you want to call it but yeah you i also but yeah speaking of the magneto issue because we we need i think we need to talk about that because i i've said before i've said it before not on the podcast but i felt like the actual real magneto issue was x-men number 11 where he just rammed down the entire satellites on the katati this one is a is a more subtle issue where he's where it's there's not that many X-Men characters. It's him, like another dude, Emma and and That's, Namor. It's just him and Emma. I don't I I, I there's oh, I guess you can count Namor yeah. as a, as yeah, a mutant. This, he is a mutant. That's true. Yeah, this is the first time. This is this is weird because this is the first time we've seen Namor since he got invited to the island. He hasn't said or done anything. 
which is which begs the question again is is it like is namor going to what is what's he preparing what's he up to like is it is he for or against this the state or whatever but i like the fact that namor actually decided to help magneto and emma get this island i i i don't know i just thought it was cool it's like these two i wouldn't say he helped him i think it was a quid quid pro quo like you help me i help you kind of situation i gotta deal with this weird thing that happened in a trench and there's a giant metal thing you do metal stuff let's let's go down there and then you can have the island it's all good it's all good I think right? he also did it as a yeah. I think so. I think he also did it as a favor for Emma because he's like, yo, like I, because I, I think they had like a weird fling. It was like a short but really weird fling, where Nate they were Mark also could, on the they were also on the Dark Council together during uh, Dark Avengers era. Right. So you didn't know that. Yeah. So these two. Uh, yeah, Namor's pine for Emma. It's, it's happened before. So him, uh, Namor say, likes like, blondes. That's canon. <laughs> it is first Reed Richards' wife Sue Richards, and now, Emma. now he's going. He he likes married blonde super powered women. That's what he's into. That's what he he's wants. Into. He wants Reed Richards. He wants Sue Sue uh, Richards. He wants. Emma Summers, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If they're not married and blonde and have powers, he's not into it. Uh, I feel, I feel. But yeah, it's it's cool. I don't know. It was just cool to see Magneto go down, well, oddly first with a weird, I guess, helmet. It's like a space helmet. It's like what those astronauts wear into space. Magneto's wearing one for like, down south. I thought the, and, and yeah, like them going through and beating up these weird squid, alienic, is that a word alienic? Is that a word people? I don't know. I just thought the I just thought the combat with Magneto and Namor was was cool. It's like, yo, it's like we got this weird thing here and Magneto I don't know. I, I they're cool. I, I, I like the my, weird fight scene. My this. favorite part my favorite part of the issue is the one line where Namor says, A Kraken. It's always a Kraken. Because it is. It's always a Kraken. <laughs> He's not wrong. He is not wrong. And yeah, I think my favorite part of the issue... Well, A, because if you if you didn't know, the original person who was supposed to draw the issue, Ben Oliver, he left the book because I don't think he had the time to draw all the issues, which is why Hickman got Perez as a replacement for for ben oliver so there's there there's one thing i think but yeah i think my favorite part of the issue was definitely when magneto you know he got the key and and made a literal well well he made a literal building out of the ship and all of the weird boxes and containers and even the what the sentinel helmet i think that was on there the too. sentinel yeah because that is like a big flex for mutants that kind of like show a trophy of a sentinel head because it's like this thing tried to kill me and now I'm using it as a bathroom, you know? Yep. <laughs> it's like it, no, it's like it's now a literally shitting in the heads of sentinels. <laughs> it's a piss bucket. It's that's what it is. But yeah, I it's just every single time Magneto gets to use his powers in a tremendous way and I love David Triel's colors on here because I think they bring a lot of life to Perez's pencils the the fact of him again showing the sheer dominance of what he can do 
when he's either trying to prove a point or show his rage. It's just a spectacular sight to see. Like, pushing the metal, forming the metal into decent coherent shapes and then placing it on a surface or throwing it at an enemy. It's always, again, it's always a delight to see Magneto flex. Yes. (laughs) And and turning things that you wouldn't think could be anything. Like, he just has a giant uh, cargo ship. And you're just like, oh, it's just a cargo ship, you know, whatever. But he that cargo ship was all the building parts for the building that he's making for Emma. It's just so cool. So freaking cool. It is. It is. It is. And... I also just and uh, and I love the and once again what white Magneto costume white Magneto costume my favorite you know what I'm saying always have to flex it's the ambassador to, see this is yeah I think like we talked about in the last episode we have the purple one which is the I'm going to war costume this is him being an right. ambassador I I I I dig the fact that he I just well a I I still love Hickman's Magneto I will keep saying that. Till the end. I, I also like his rendition of Emma again here in this issue. And these two... Like, just, yeah, Eric doing Emma a favor. It's cool. It is really dope to see, like, oh, yo, like... Yeah, this is for you. This is, like, freaking here. Here's a big building. How did you feel about his version of Phantom X? That is, you know what, this is, this is something that I have been, this was probably the issue, the one issue I prayed for, because A, Rod Reyes on New Mutants is back, and with a very, very big flex as far as paneling goes, there is, well, there's a lot I have to say about this issue. I think we, we started off, like, with Phantom X's origins, he was created in a lab, he was... They had two people split apart what it seemed like, one being Phantom X, of course, and the other one being Ultimatum or Weapon and Weapon 15. This is a whopping interesting thing for me because, A, I think it's cool that Hickman showed what Phantom X is able to sort of do with his weird time travel shtick. Him going through Marvel periods was really, really interesting for me because... See, this is the one thing I I want to get is his is well he's talking with Nick because Nick Fury is in this comic he's with the he's with the Holland Commandos and there he's and Nick Fury shows up in this issue and it's like huh I wonder what they're I wonder what they're doing over here and what it's I love his rendition of the world I like the, again the same it's the same thing I talked about when when we were talking discussing. Jean Grey and Emma Frost, Rod Reyes' atmosphere, when you're moving through all the time periods, whether it's the Holland Commandos, or he's talking with the Hellfire Club and Sebastian Shaw, or Nick Fury as the decades move along, it's like every single art piece feels like it's in that distinct set and place of time. And it's something from Rod that I really, really appreciate. It's like, holy moly, this guy's putting in the work, and it feels... It breathes life. It breathes life from what it would feel like if you were in that certain Marvel time period. Yeah. And also, I don't know if you noticed this. I just read it uh, this morning. And the old, the longer 
and back in time it is, the little bit less rendered the art is. Like the closer to the present, the crisper the art, the the more tighter the lines are, the the you know? Did you mm -hmm. notice that too? Or yeah, was that I just did. something about me? It is, it is. It's like it's like it's it's like when you when you're watching, I guess, older TV, like when you're watching clips from the forties or the fifties or the or even the sixties when color wasn't a thing back then and i appreciate this because i think if you look in one of the 40s panels it's actually in grayscale color and i like that and then once you continue on once phantom x goes from a to b to c to d the way that rod is moving through with with the storytelling with the box panels Again, it's these are art books, and I am just enjoying whatever the heck Hickman is cooking up with his weird original characters, some that are in here, and other characters that are already in the X-Men mythos, like Sebastian Shaw or Jason Wingard. What he does yeah. with M, with that, with that cool kind of red, kind of, I don't know what this, Bolanco-looking kind of thing, yeah. you know, that she does. <laughs> mm -hmm. I also like the... The um, the tie again the tie back all the callbacks to Morrison because you never get X Men writers to quote back to Morrison. I think partly because Morrison is definitely a a beast weirdo. To read. No, I'm yeah, joking. Yeah, joking. Cut, yeah, that. Yeah, not... <laughs> cut that. No, we're gonna cut that. I don't want that on the podcast. No. <laughs> well, I think I think well, a you never hear you know you never see writers call back to Grant Morrison because Grant Morrison is definitely one of those writers that it takes like two or three reads to fully understand his work just because Morrison rewards active reading. It's not something you can just skip over. There's a lot of subtext into it. And it's a lot of non-linear storytelling. So when you're reading New X-Men, you're asking yourself, like, yo, what the heck's happening in these pages? You know so yeah, I, I appreciated the Phantom X creation callbacks and the Wolverine Cyclops scene in in Giant Size Phantom X that Rod and Hickman call back to. It's like, I dig that. I really appreciate that Hickman is taking stuff from a run that really isn't mentioned in after after the fact. It's it's so cool to see just 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 all these fantastic callbacks to a run or an era that usually isn't referenced to some of the time. And it's it's I don't know, it's just awesome to see. Yeah, it's not you know, people like Morrison and Mark Miller, for instance, they've really made their own stake in the marvel universe you know what i'm saying like no matter what their stuff always seems to be canon no matter what other people don't call back to it as often i've seen but hickman has been doing a really good job of calling back to all the stuff that we need all the stuff that they're talking about and that's uh it's something really cool to kind of see like how a writer can make us remember something while giving us something new. I've said this a million times. I'm starting to sound like a broken record. I know, but I just, I'm just in awe by the magnificence of this man's vision. You know what I mean? And not only uh, his yeah. vision, but his ability to pull it off because anyone can have a vision. Anyone can be on conceptual level of things, but to actually sit there and pull it off with so many different people and so many different teams and so many different 
bigwigs and execs you got to deal with and and movies and and it's just he's just doing so good he may become he may become what jeff johns is for dc he's going to become for marvel i i'm calling it right now i think they're going to bring him in onto the television and movies i mean it it would literally be dumb not to at this point wouldn't you say i I agree he's he's, in one year and one year, he has proven himself more than any X-Men writer in the past five years. No offense, Matt Rosenberg. Sorry, but Every that's X-Men's, how I feel. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's it's just the way that, and especially, again, with the Phantom X issue and just how much he acknowledges past X-Men stories, Hickman has definitely shown himself to, A, have a vision executed with the right pieces at the right time and it's a beautiful work of art it, it is a beautiful work of art and i couldn't agree more now another prediction and this is this is one i think I'll, I'll sign off with on this for the last part of the talking about the phantom x issue because again i, I can i can talk about rod reyes's art all day colorist to actual <laughs> artist it's it's awesome facts but if you know in the first two, three pages of the issue, we get the flashback again to Phantom X's creation. Now, there's two, mm-hmm. there's two babies here, right, that they create in the lab. That we're, we're, We should be assuming that it's Phantom X and it's Ultimaton. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's what most people should think. The one thing, though... Is that the other? There's the one baby who has a circle. We assume that's Phantom X because they're like, yeah, we'll keep him. The other one, he has a diamond on his forehead. I think I keep thinking that this could be a possible retcon of Mister Sinister, just because Sinister also has that weird diamond on his forehead. I didn't they, even think about that, Dominic. That that thought didn't even cross my mind. You blow my mind. Because, yeah, they never talk about who the other person is. We just assume that it's the super magical dude. You know what I'm saying? And we have no idea because all of them are clones. They all look exactly the same. But we can... The one that they... that Wow. Dom, you just blew my mind. Like, that doesn't happen very often. But you literally just blew my freaking mind with that... <laughs> I, I think that's amazing, dude. Yeah. I think you're on to something there. I think you're on to something. Because my question that's is... That's why you're the Hick- professor. That's why you're the professor. Because <laughs> one thing that Hickman is famous for, especially, like, I guess, with the Avengers and a lot of his other books, is because he doesn't... He hasn't read up to, you know, Marvel as much as he apparently has DC. He's famous for character retcons so that it could fit in with the type of story that he's telling. That with X-Men... He's already done it with Moira. He's done it with Apocalypse. He's done it with a bunch of the X-Men timelines and mythos. But, yeah, this is this would be one... If I wouldn't be shocked if we find out that the baby that they threw away was actually Mr. Sinister because it was a failed lab experiment and now, like, these are all clones. Like, it's perfect for him because Mr. Sinister, as we all know, he's sinister, he's bad, and he makes a bunch of clones because experiments. And so yeah. I, I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if we find out that like I don't know. <laughs> so I'm thinking. Yeah, I got no. We I do, got no. More the words. one thing we do know, the one thing we do know about Sinister is that he's really old. That's the only thing that we really know at this point. He's he's there's there's been. Um, <clears throat> 
There's been origins where he's from the 1800s, like Victorian era. There's other ones where he's from the future and it gets sent back. There's there's lots of things. He always seems to be out of time of the place of of the present. And I just this this just blew my mind. This is a whole new angle. And if you're right, wow, dude, wow. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> There's that's a all lot. I gotta say. Yeah. That, hey, Mister Sinister has a decent stick in Krakoa, considering that he's the person who pulls all the strings with DNA. And if mm-hmm. we find out that oh this guy was oh like yeah I, I want to see I want to see if a it's right because I could be completely wrong and the actual baby could be the ultimate on weird shiny alien dude or it could be right and it's an actual retcon of Mister Sinister's origins in this set Marvel universe so yeah the, yeah uh, what did you think of and I, now that we finished with Rod Reyes standing what did you think of Russell Dodderman's, I guess, final interior issue for Storm. Because I know that Storm is one of your one of your fave faves in, in mm-hmm. the X-Men mythos. For sure. Well, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I freaking loved it. Oh my god. Especially when they go into the world. And you get to see like all the crazy geometry and the way that it's just so crisp and so clean and so beautiful. Like it's just gorgeous artwork. Like this man put in some serious thought and time and lines into this. And it's so unbelievably amazing. The part when they first walk into the world and there's like the little battle thing going on and everything. I literally literally was blown away like i had i paused for a second i wasn't even reading the page i just stared at it in awe it was so gorgeous you know and and the way that he even drew the the ultimatum guy or alien weird alien dude was even cooler than the last time and just like the whole celestial kind of armor that he brings ah just everything about it i think definitely like you said before the writing is really not the star of this series, of these giant-sized series. The the artwork is. The, this is a place where the artists are are now the forefront, you know? Yeah, it's just awesome. Like, I, I think my favorite part of this book was just uh, when Storm just yells out that she's a goddess and that she's back to full strength after they figure out what the virus was and help cure her. It's like, holy moly the the colors the freaking pinks and whites of the thunder just coming out i was like that's the storm content i want that's that's the that's what i've been sort of waiting because i love storm she is awesome and just when the thunder and the lightning and she gets to fully use her powers in case it is it's just a beauty to see. Storm is all the way. Yeah, it's just awesome. Like, yeah. freaking. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I really want the storm that announces everything she's doing. You know, talking to the weather and all that kind of stuff. The X Men animated version, because it's just so so powerful. Such a such a queen. You know what I mean? Such a just. Uh, not that she's not written as like a queen and a leader in this at all. By by all means, she definitely is, and even more so like her stuff on the Marauders, like. She's more of like this. You get to see this more loving, caring. Like I, I worry about you, Kate. Like I'm here because I want to protect you, kind of thing. You know, and it's just the the layers to this woman. The layers is so good. So good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And yeah, just a man. I I can't even begin to emphasize how fantastic the Dodderman's 
weird polygonic shapes and how he looks at or draws the phantom x world it's it's just mind-blowing and matt wilson again adding the colors the beauty to said lines and the way that it's all fantastically structured i've said fantastic like a billion times maybe i should change it to a fantastic or podcast because of how much i've said it but no it's <laughs> it's so yeah i i again i have i, I i'm a, i'm in a loss for words this is is a the way that he draws storm the way that wilson colors storm so good so 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 good i love it it's yeah it's just awesome to see what what phantom x's world looks like and storm being storm and i hope we get to see more of that in exoswords because like we we were promised we were here's the thing and yeah i think yeah here's the thing so jerry duggan in an interview with marvel during comic-con he promised that Storm would be one of the main central characters of the event. And if we get to see a, a Storm like this where she's announcing again what she's doing, what what she's going to be up to with the with the weather, her powers and her overall the dominance it's it's going to be a beauty for me cuz I, I I will I will happily die with awesome Storm content 10 out of 10 times. So, yeah, it's yes. a, just a hats off. It's a hats off to Jonathan Hickman, Russell Dodderman, Ramon Perez, Alan Davis, and Rod Reyes for delivering kicking butt giant size issues. Great tribute to the late Len Wayne and fantastic art books. <laughs> fantastic showcases by far. De- definitely. Do we know? As of right now, if there's any more giants being brought in, I think they're going to do any more. I think they're going to stop the thing for now. We might get some later in the future, but as far as I'm concerned, the line will just be halted for just for just for the tiny bit. But even then, it's like I'll just look back on it and say, "Yo, I can look at pretty art." Like if I'm down or something, and I want to see a greatly drawn storm by Dodderman or Phantom X by Reyes or Alan Davis's Nightcrawler. I'll just go back and like, yo, like these were these were cool showcases. I'm glad they got released and published. Yeah, and I have to admit too, um, there really isn't too many comic books that have rereadable like ability. Like, but these I could reread a million and a half times. They're so so good. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much, especially especially the Emma and Jean one. It's just, I could literally just, I, I honestly feel like just printing out every single page and just posting it on my wall. Like, and that could just be a whole wall, just the whole comic book, because those panels are beautiful and gorgeous. I think if I had one short criticism for the book, this is, this is actually not a knock on Dodderman, because again, I, his, his work's cool, and I like Wilson's stuff on his color, or for his colors, but I'm oddly not a fan of like the color scheme that Jean has in in the both of his issues i don't know it's just the weird green i don't i don't even know what to call it. it's that weird green like i don't know it's just not my thing but besides that i i love the i love everything else that he you know he did in in this book i like his cypher his phantom x was cool i love monet in it too it's just good stuff and that it random is. aim guy do you think do you think that random aim guy in the storm issue is going to come back is he, are we going to see him again because 
it's kind of going to be interesting. Like, is he going to become his own kind of celestial kind of armor guy in there? Like, what's he? What's his plans? Because we know he's, we know he's a he's a he's a supervillain. We know he's a evil scientist. We know he wants to have fun in there. So, that's a that's an interesting question. So this this dude, it's the Ned guy, right? Like the freaking weird aim guy. I honestly have no idea. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I'm honestly not expecting it. But Hickman, it's weird too, because Hickman just, just doesn't put something down and doesn't track up on it later. He'll probably come back in one way or another, even if it's like a short cameo or something, because that's just his thing. It's like, oh, he's yeah, he'll come back-ish. I don't know. We'll have to see. But yeah, there's a decent chance that the AIM guy gets back, so... The world, we are not done with the world. The world is definitely going to get brought back into the, the comics. I I will be, it might be in the next year's event for all we know. Freaking Phantom, yeah, Phantom X is too small of a character and there's so much that concept brings to Hickman. Because it's, it lines in with Hickman and the fact that it's weird. It's, <laughs> it's very, very, it just feels very Hickmanian. That's, I think that's what it is. It it just em- the world embodies. We you we heard that right there, guys. It is it is coined right now. Hickmanian. I love it. I love it. I love. It. And you know what? And you know what? And the, we have Hickmania right now. We're going crazy with Hickmania. You it know? Is, yep. <laughs> but yeah, like all of the world's concepts with Phantom X and Ultimaton, that all feels Hickmanian. It feels so otherworldly, high conceptual. And everything that's that's what it feels like that that's what the world feels like but yeah there's no way that Hickman just, he just doesn't leave something there and drops it that's that's not his thing it'll be it'll be brought back up one way or another just like the way that you know this virus that the children of the uh, whatever they, they gave storm it was brought up in x-men number one number five when they went into the vault now you know storm got her like she did like she not but yeah there's there's just so many plot threads that's happening but yeah the the world is one that hickman absolutely will not just drop just because on that note i'd like to thank our proud hosts of the podcast the grand geek gathering the place to get all your nerdy content please go check them out at the grand gathering.com the, the podcast the articles everything those guys over there are awesome Please, you will not be disappointed with the material and with the content that they're all bringing to the table. And also on that note, I'd like to thank Dylan for joining me once again on this podcast. It's awesome to have you here as always. I don't know what else besides that. You can follow him on Livid on Instagram at MrDylanGray.com. Or not MrDylanGray.com. You can follow him, <laughs> you can follow him on Livid, Instagram, wherever else, at MrDylanGray. Only fans. Check out my OnlyFans account <laughs> where I lay naked on top of a bunch of comic books. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but no, for real. It's awesome to have you here just to talk about X-Men because talking about X-Men is awesome. As it usually Definitely. is. So. And I, 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 love, I love conversating with you as always. I can sit here and praise how dope you are, especially with that new sinister thing you put into my mind. Amazing, bro. Amazing. Beyond the Island of Krakoa? with your very own professor the next time.